Hey, Orioles fans, welcome to another edition of Yard Work on MassInSports.com with Orioles beat writer Steve Molesky. I am Brian Eller. Steve, how are you on this Sunday evening? Hey, Brian, doing good. Can you believe we're already at the midway point of the season, 81 games in? I feel like it's it's flown by. I think my brain feels it today. I feel I feel like uh, I could sleep for about 10 or 12 hours, but uh, it's been a busy day, a hectic day, and it does move fast because, as you know, in baseball, we don't get much time to look back on the last game, the last week. There's always uh, the next whatever, and so uh, they're at the 81 game mark, but that's only going to last for a few more hours. Right, and we're still a week away from the All-Star break, so you've got a, uh, another week before you can really uh, take a few days to kind of relax. So, But, but we, know you're, we know you're good for it, though, Molesky, So Absolutely. So um, I think uh, just as we start things off, I know by the time this airs, it'll be a couple days old, but uh, it's, it's All-Star time of year. Um, All-Star selections were, were just announced within the past 60 minutes of uh, us talking here. So let's, let's just kind of dive into that. You know, the Orioles, I think there was um, – you thought maybe entering the season that the Orioles had a decent chance to have have a starter, uh, Machado maybe at third, or um, you know certainly maybe Jones at center. Um, and as the season's kind of gone on, uh, when the first voting came out, I think we saw Machado and Wellington Castillo and a couple other guys in the mix there. Uh, but as as the uh, results came out, you know they kind of slipped a little bit further, further down. It ends up being uh, Jonathan Scope being the Orioles' representative um, to the All Star Game ne- next Tuesday. It's his first All Star appearance. I think Steve, we both can agree he's had an incredible, you know, first half of the season. It's it's well deserved. And just your thoughts on on the Orioles and on Scope making the All Star team. Well, you know, I I thought they were only going to get one. <clears throat> I don't think this was the year they deserved to have anybody voted in uh, at their position, and they didn't. And <clears throat> You know, earlier in the year, maybe they had some pitchers who were in line. And late in the, uh, you know, as we got to, to now, I don't think they quite have anybody to do that. So then we were thinking, okay, Trey Mancini, but he plays at a position, first base and corner outfield, where you got a lot of guys with a lot of numbers. So that was going to be hard. And then you thought second base scope is probably having the best year of anybody and is very deserving, but second base in the American League is loaded. But you know what, Brian? If you look at it, I think Scope leads all American second basemen and extra base hits. And you could, we could look at a lot of stat categories, and he's right up there. <clears throat> this is not undeserving. This is deserving. And it's, he's got to be particularly proud to make it one and two, to make it at second base in the American League. And not, you know, the Orioles had to have a representative. But it, this wasn't those lean years when just someone had to go, and so someone made it. Without great stats, Scope earned his right there. Yeah, and I think I think he's really taken tremendous steps this year. Obviously, from from a statistical standpoint, he's he's hitting around two ninety three. Uh, you know, as we tape this, he's he's kind of a, a do it all guy. You know, he's not really heavy in one category, which we've seen in the past can sometimes you know a hot start in the home run category in April and May can get you enough votes to the All Star. You know, that you get into the All Star break when when you might not be you know as versatile as some of the other guys. But Scope, uh, you know, twenty three doubles, sixteen home runs. He's also drawn those those eight. 18 walks, which I think is close to his total from all of 2016, and I think that just shows a, a more mature scope, a guy who's just progressing, and I, I, I'm really excited to see see what happens. And I think he'll get he'll certainly get some playing time. Jose Altuve is the starter, but it's just been a, a nice reward for scope so far. He really has worked hard to improve his offense, and he has done it. Um, he knew as much as we knew watching him in the last couple of years that. If he really wanted to take it to the next level, 
he was going to have to chase fewer pitches and swing at more strikes. And he's done. He's gone two for two in that regard. And I did a long interview with um, Scott Coolball, the hitting coach in Toronto, a few days ago. And we talked about several Orioles, including Scope. <clears throat> and he thinks John just really learned to lay off the, the low pitch that looks a, looks a strike, but it ends up a ball. As Buck Showalter likes to say, strike the ball. Pitcher's throwing it to make you think it's a strike, but when you swing at it, it's not. And Scope has worked hard to lay off that, and he has. And he's been attacking pitches that are higher in the zone. He's waiting, he's making pitchers bring the ball up. Uh, cool ball believes young pit, young hitters will get tested on those uh, low pitches. Uh, that you know, pitchers are going to not throw them strikes if they'll get themselves out. And so the Fangraph stats will show you that Scope is chasing many fewer pitches. He's swinging at fewer pitches because he's taking balls. And it's like Trumbo said earlier this year, he's taking pitches that he would have made outs on last year. And that's really significant. And I think that's why we've seen this stat uptick for uh, Scope. Certainly. And for those of you who have not read, uh, you know, Rock posted uh, about you know, Scope's selection and how he actually found out about it on Sunday morning. It was kind of a cute little story. I guess Sunday morning he saw infield coach Bobby Dickerson in the parking lot when he got to the ballpark and kind of became a little suspicious. And, you know, obviously Dickerson told him he needed to go see Buck. Um, and, you know, just the way he kind of Scope reacted, it sounds like he thought he was in trouble or did something wrong. And, um, you know, it certainly it was quite the contrary to, to, to learn that he'd made the all-star. Is that from your interactions with him, Steve, you know, in the clubhouse and just over the years, is that the kind of guy Scope is? He just seems like that good guy that, uh, you know, is always always wants to do the right thing and is always worried about making sure that he's putting his best foot forward for the team. Absolutely. Um, this is just a fun-loving, great kid to be around. He's always smiling. He's always happy. He and Manny are always you're playful with each other. They're like brothers that want to outdo each other in everything. I mean, everything. And as it turns out, at the midway point, they're tied for the team lead in homers. Manny hits number 16 Sunday, so he could say to Scope, I'm tied. I tied you. And so we'll see if someone breaks the tie in uh, Milwaukee and Minnesota. But uh, he's a great kid. He, he hasn't changed since the kid I met when he was a minor leaguer. And uh, that's a tribute to him and his family that raising him. And you small come from the small island of Curacao, which we know produces a lot of players because we see those guys in the World Baseball Classic and International. They've got some players there. We all know their na- the names, and Scope fits right in with them. And I mean, this is a kid who I've written about this before, Brian. He played in not one but two Little League World Series. The tiny island of Curacao produced when Scope was Little League age. Two straight teams that went to the Little League World Series, of which they won it once, and Scope was on the mound at the end. So, I mean, that's pretty neat from his background. It seems like every August when that comes up, we ask him about it. Hey, remember playing the Little League World Series? And he sure does. And so, uh, you know, we saw Scope hit a home run against Cuba in a World Baseball Classic before he ever played a major league game, and that was a big blast. And this guy can hit him far. And he just has fun out there, man, and he hasn't changed since the kid I met at, you know, probably 19 at the time.
That's what it's all about. Yeah, he played, uh, as you said, in the 2003 and 2004 Little League World Series for Kearsau, and he um, and he actually played in the 2011 All-Star Future Game, representing the Orioles along with, of course, Manny Machado. And, um, you know, he, through his time, he's it was awarded the, the Minor League Player of the Year, the Brooks Robinson Award throughout the, the Orioles uh, farm system. And uh, as you said, some time with the World Baseball Classic for, for Team Netherlands, um, including this, this earlier this year. So just just a guy who just loves baseball. And uh, yeah, as, as a fan and as a, you know, guys that cover the team, it's 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 great to see. I always like a little parody. I like to see different different Orioles get in to represent. I wish there could have been a few more. But like you said, I think so far and maybe the clubhouse would admit it, too. This isn't quite the year where uh, maybe they deserve more than one guy, um, at least at least right now. But um you know, I think kind of going on the all-star things, there was another another name that was floated around that might uh, earn a, a spot on the team is uh, is Dylan Bundy. Um, I know he's had some recent struggles, which we'll kind of get into a little bit, but uh, he, he has been the Orioles' best pitcher uh, for the majority of the season, no doubt. And I think there was talk of maybe him kind of getting a spot there, but they would actually that would have actually maybe run into some issues with his his innings limit. Um, you know, he's 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 so close to to all the innings that he pitched last year. And again, we talked about this a few times. Times recently, Steve, where you know it's kind of it, the Warriors are going to be kind of forced with a, a tricky situation in terms of uh, you know uh, making sure that he's not pushed too far. But again, you can't just sit him down for the rest of the year. You know, he's one of your best pitchers. Um, you know, I, I I guess what what maybe is is going to happen with Bundy? I mean, what do you think the the best course of option is uh, for him? And thankfully, he's he looks like he won't have to worry about sitting out the All Star game. Well, he. Um... He's going to pitch Thursday at Minnesota, and that'll be on his regular rest. And after that, he won't pitch again for a, he'll pitch on 11 days rest with the All Star break, and they're going to start him fifth uh, in the fifth slot after the break. So four games will have passed before he pitches once to buffer him with some extra rest. And I'm sure they were looking at that all along. And so we're going to see. Bundy did not pitch well on six days rest uh, Saturday against Tampa Bay. He got rocked. I mean, they hit balls about as hard as we've seen all year off him uh and they hit a whole bunch of them so that was a not a good outing and his era is up in june his innings are almost equal to last year and so that is worrisome to me uh watching as a fan as a reporter they can't in my opinion maybe thorles will have a different one uh double his innings so i can't see him pitching another hundred innings in the next 81 games that to me is too many but you know we'll see how it goes and uh, Bundy will be honest with him to tell him how his arm's feeling, and the hitters will tell us more than any. So when you see him get hit hard like the other day, it could be just a game where he was off, Brian, and he didn't command the ball. Because the start before that, he pitched against the same team, and he pitched much better. <clears throat> but we're going to see going forward, if we see more at nights like that, where they're hitting 100-mile-an-hour exit velocities off this kid, and they're hitting two or three homers, they, the Orioles are going to have to think about skipping them one or two, or... Or, or you know, uh, you know, his arms tender. Let's put him on the DL. Not that it would would be, but maybe they maybe they try to fudge a DL move. I don't know. But they got to be really careful here with this kid because you want him good this year, next year, and for many after. And um, I'm sure they will be. 
when you're if you're a fan watching him pitch, is there you know, and you're looking for signs of fatigue because again, the innings limit is is going to be stretched further than than in years past. Is is there beyond? Is there anything beyond the obvious you know dip in velocity or maybe struggles with command um, that you might notice and say you know what he it, you know what I thought it was just an off start the last time or this or that, but it looks like he is kind of wearing down. Is there anything that you kind of look for other than those obvious you know dip in velocity and things no, like that? I mean, the only other thing if you if your eye was trained good enough to see this and mine's not quite would be arm slot and if it's dropping a bit like he's you know he's just he's so you know the arm's tired and it's not quite getting to the regular arm slot and and it's you know he's having mechanics issues because of that that's another thing um but he's in supreme condition so physically he say he keeps saying he feels great and i don't doubt that he does but you're right, there can be nights where the velocity looks fine, but his command, particularly that Tampa game when he gave up three homers, he was leaving the ball up. And, I mean, he throws, you know, he doesn't throw hard enough to throw by a guy belt high if he if he misses location. And so um, he, he doesn't often, as you know. This kid's got really good control. In addition to few walks, he often puts the ball where he wants within the strike zone. And against Tampa Bay, he just wasn't. He was leaving it middle up a lot, and they didn't miss it. So we're going to be watching for that, and he's going to be watched closely by all of us, including the management of the team, in the uh, second half. I tell you, Steve, I think one guy who's probably disappointed that the All-Star break is so close is Kevin Gosman, because my goodness, if you want to talk about pitching on a roll a little bit, it, it, you know, including uh, Sunday's finale against the, against the Rays there, he... He's now um, kind of. I think it's it's been enough starts in a row and enough time over stretch that you kind of think, okay, uh, you know, maybe he is kind of finding some some spark and some confidence there. I mean, after we know the struggles that he's had, and I think we talked about his big issue was the seawork command. You know, he he just wasn't able to, to to command those pitches, and that leads to higher pitch counts and and more batters, and you know, it just kind of slopes down from there. But uh, over the last twelve and a third innings, he hasn't allowed a run. Last two starts, he's lowered his ERA. Almost by a full run in that span, it's still high as he would, as you know, you would say, in, uh, about five point six. Um, but this is a guy who, uh, you know, the Orioles expected to be at the top of the rotation along with Dylan Bundy. He, you know, got the opening day start, and um, I, I, I'm inc- are you encouraged by what you see from Gosman? Uh, and hopefully, he can uh, translate that down the road. Yeah, very much so. And um, it was about two or three starts ago where I went up to him in Chicago and said, "Hey." Uh, I know you've struggled a bit. Can I talk to you about it? And there's a couple things I want to get your opinion on. He's very open to doing that interview. And he gave me, I thought, really good quotes and great input. Uh, And that was when he first decided to move on the pitching rubber a little bit to try to better attack right-handed hitters away. And I think that move has helped him some. Now, beyond that, we talked about his use of the split-finger fastball, which is a great out pitch for him that, as you know, dips down in the zone and has late fade and hitters swing over it. Well, he was throwing it not much at the time I interviewed him, and since then, and I'm not saying because of my interview, because he was thinking it too, he has thrown it a lot more in the last three or four starts, and, and it's been good. So it's, it's one thing, Brian, to say, I'm going to throw that pitch more, but if it's not a quality pitch on that night, what, what good is it? So he's had a much better splitter these last few starts, looking like the second-half Gosman, and that pitch is big for him because – he, you know, he, every at bat doesn't go this way, but he mostly uh, throws, uh, tries to command, you know, fastball command, get ahead, and then put them away or get weak contact with the split. And he threw thirty some splitters in that start on uh, Sunday, which was, I think is a season high. 
uh, and got 10 swings and misses. So the pitch is really coming for him. And when you're throwing 98-99, which he was, and you have the split movement, and you have a circle change, and you mix in a slider a little bit just to let him know it's there, you really can have something. And so the command is so big for him. But uh, I think the other day, um, we, in these last couple starts, we've seen glimpses of him having both command and the quality of his pitches at the same time, and that's a good combination for any pitcher. And it sounds like such an easy thing, you know, it, you know, from, from an outside perspective. It's, oh, you just, just locate it. Well, you know, these guys are professionals. Oh, it's easy to locate. But, as I mean, boy, that can, that can really – it's certainly easier said than done, and, and you can see how it's, it must be such a mental – hurdle to get over where you have your game plan you have your arsenal and not only is your opponent probably you know pretty good at 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 fighting that off but you just might not have it and and when you lose that confidence and you can't do it you have to adjust your game plan because of you boy that just that can spiral out of control pretty quickly and and as we've seen it can take more than a few starts or even a few months to really kind of get back on track as hopefully he has well he um you know, the one thing I saw, and we can all look at Brooks Baseball and some of these websites, which post a lot of stats on pitchers, and it's public information. It's out there for any of us to see, and so that means obviously the teams have it and more. They have more proprietary information than we have available to us. But I could see, going through a start-by-start, I'm looking at split percentage, and it's it's 8, it's 10, it's 12. I'm like, this guy's throwing one out of every 10 pitches a split? This is a pitch that was devastating for him at times. And that's why I want to ask him about it, what's going on with that. And and I think the combination of not throwing it well for much of the first half, <clears throat> and as he pointed out to me, when you're getting behind in so many counts, that's a put-away pitch. You're throwing it on 1-2, 0-2, You're not throwing it as much on 2-1, because hitters are going to spin on it and take it. But when they've got a two-strike count, they're swinging at anything close, and he can get them out with that. So he pointed out to me, and he's right, I've got to get into more counts where the split becomes more into play for me. And I think we have seen that. And so Buck says we get tired of hearing him talk about fastball command, but that's why they talk about it, because it sets up this other stuff. And I think the hitters, Brian, were looking at the same stats uh, you and I were, saying this guy's only throwing 10% splits. Well, I'm not even going to worry about that pitch. So now they're going to look at these last few starts and see 25%, 30%, 32%, and they're going to go, oh, man, the split's back for this kid, and it's going to be in their mind before they even take it in the box. And that's big for him, for the hitters around the league to know, sure, he's throwing 97, but you better be ready for more than just that. Those, those poor hitters, they don't know what's coming with them. A good, a good Gosman when he's on, as we saw Sunday, is just, it, it, he's boy, he, he rivals Bundy for who you would want at the top of the rotation. So. A lot of talent there, and he doesn't throw um, – the secondary pitches, in my opinion, are not as good as as a Bundy. Bundy has more of them and probably better, better quality of most of them. But that split is a separator for Kevin. Has to have it because he knows his slider. It's an okay, fair pitch, not great. It's not a plus pitch for him. But the split, when he's got it going, is a plus pitch for him. And then when you're throwing 99, touching it as he was, you know um, – you got at least two pitches, and you mix in a third somewhere, and now you got something. Absolutely, and, and um, you know while the 
Gosman seems to be you know on the right track, and hopefully that means the starting rotation can can start to eat up some innings there and take some that strain off the bullpen there. And and speaking of the bullpen, um, you know Zach Britton, as we talked about, he's he's on his way. He's so close. Uh, I think he's I believe he's got his final rehab appearance, barring any setbacks, uh, on Monday. Um, I believe that got moved from Norfolk to Frederick. Correct, Steve? Okay, so we'll see that, and and I would assume he's. He, he's he's ready to go after that again barring any setbacks and i know chris davis is expected to to join the team at, right after the all-star break out there it just kind of feels like you know i know the team is midway there they're they're kind of they're right around 500 40 and 41 um but i think with a with a full roster it, it, there should hopefully be some excitement and some energy from this club coming out of the all-star break you know they i think they host the cubs straight out of it that's a good matchup for them um but i i, I kind of like that this timing's working on maybe it's a perfect storm um you know for where some health and you get that full lineup out there and maybe this team can is is certainly not out of it as we know well if you get britain back and he's his old self which he thinks he is and he feels he's passed all the tests in this rehab stint the Orioles have been very methodical and cautious let's get it right this time and i think they have so once he gets back to pitching brian we're going to see does he look like the old britain let's say he does that's so big because on a given night, they could take, let's say that their starter, Ubaldo, is not great, but they have a 5-4 lead to the sixth, and Ubaldo's throwing 100 pitches, and Buck's like, I'm going given six, Brock seven, O'Day eight, Britain nine. I'm taking my big four, I'm going to get an inning each, and I'm going to win this game. And the Orioles will win a lot of those games with those four. And the band's back together now that O'Day is there and Britain's on the way. And that's what they want. And that you can't pitch those four every night. They'll they'll get too tired. But you can pitch them a lot of nights. And the and the other thing Buck likes is is he can leave one out. Let's say O'Day's pitched two out of four, two out of three. Uh, okay, uh, Givens goes one and two thirds. Uh, Donnie Hart gets a key lefty out. He's mixing matches, and all of a sudden you've got Castro's look pretty good recently, and you've got some others. You know to, that you could get in there and. Uh, all of a sudden, the Orioles' bullpen, which is mediocre on the stat sheet presently, uh, looks as formidable as many in the league and looks like its old self. Certainly. And I, you know, we talked, Steve, about how a couple weeks ago when we recorded, he said, you know what, there's still three weeks until the All-Star break. A lot can happen. So any discussion of, you know, buying or selling or standing pat with what you have really was a, still a little premature and a lot can really kind of open up within that time period. And I think this these past two weeks and certainly the, the following week, you know, the two games on the series on the road uh, – show that it's it's such a clear picture now i mean do you do you still feel like there's there's more time more baseball that needs to be played for the Orioles? they're 40 and 41 but they're also getting healthier hopefully some guys that are making progress uh you know like kevin gosman can continue it without you know other guys kind of falling off who have had successes what do you think it's a clearer picture now steve or are you still holding out before deciding kind of what to do for the remainder of this year i think the orioles are holding out uh, they're inclined to uh, not be sell- uh, sellers as some of the fans want them to be. That uh, doesn't mean they're going to be wheeling and dealing left and right either way, but um, I think they're inclined to see this through right now. They know they've got a bunch of guys through signed through 18, some of their biggest and best, as we know, and they just want to see, can Kevin Gosman keep this going? Will Chris Tillman tick up? Uh, will Britton be his old self? Will Chris Davis come back and be strong? If all, Some of these things are answered yes, not all of them, 
But if a lot of them are, then they maybe can make a run. There are a lot of teams that overcome. You know, the second wild card brings so many teams into play that you could, you could say you're a contender, and the math can say you are, but are you really? So right now I think the Orioles are not sure. Their public stance is we're, we're contending and we're in this thing. But that doesn't mean, uh, if Brian, they had a terrible week or two that Dan Duquette couldn't change course because you have to, uh, uh, you might have to. But the other thing I think is, uh, okay, two of their biggest trade ships, if they were even available, would be Zach Britton, hurt almost all year, and Manny Machado not hitting batting average to his previous level. So their value goes down. You know, the teams want to see, is Zach Britton his old self? I'm not giving up. Five prospects for Zach Britton if his forearm's still going to be a problem. Britton's convinced it's not. The Orioles are as well. Uh, so not only, you know, they don't, they're not performing on all cylinders, some of these players. So I think it all adds up to it's not the time to pull the trigger on the future. But that doesn't mean it, things couldn't still say not great for this team and they had to consider it uh, later this month. How important do you think it is, Steve, for the Orioles to to enter the All Star break on somewhat of an upswing? They got you know back to back series on the road. We know they've struggled on the road as most teams do. Um, I mean, is is one one side of me thinks okay, yeah, you want to have that momentum, especially going into a little bit of a break like that. The other side of me says, you know what, this is about as veteran of a clubhouse as it gets. These guys, you know, they they throw the the speak at you that say, you know, we're just taking it game by game and you got to move on from that. But I honestly believe that this this is a team that is able to do that so i mean how important is that for you do you think i i think it's a big road trip because it would be really nice to be able to say when they hit the break we had back-to-back winning road trips and they went four and two at tampa toronto so now let's see this midwest trip these teams are good not great they're both contending in their divisions the twins and the and the brewers brewers are leading i believe at last check and they have three x orioles by the way on the pitching staff uh, Zach Davies and Josh Hader and Oliver Drake. Drake. And I was disappointed to see that Davies is going to miss the Orioles. I would have been really intriguing to see him start against his former organization, but he's not going to pitch in this series. Uh, it doesn't appear. So anyway, it's an important road trip. Yep, uh, keep the momentum going on the road. Get keep get Zach Britton back during this trip. Let's see him get a couple saves. That would be really encouraging for him and the team. And gain another game or two uh, on the first place uh, Red Sox and in the wild card and then go into the break saying hey we're getting a few days off we have some momentum we're getting some guys back let's finish strong and see where it leads us that's what I think would be the best case scenario for the 2017 Orioles I think so I, I think they're in addition to needing that momentum in the all-star break they are very quickly running out of you know, series or weeks where you can, you know, we got to get things going. We got to get things going. Well, eventually, if if you have that mantra, by the time it, you know it, it's it's late August or September, and it's too late to get things going. But, um, you know, I guess another thing, Steve, that happened uh, this week that kind of has fallen off the wayside now is uh, DL Hall got introduced, the Orioles' first round pick. I know you guys had a, the media got to meet with him and, and talk with him. Um, what were your impressions on him and, and kind of what he brings to the Orioles? I, I was very impressed. Uh, he's an articulate, polite. Respectful young guy. Um, he's 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 not a big guy. We saw that and we knew that. So he's probably got some growing and maturing and filling out to do. But um, everything I've heard about this kid, I like. And the Orioles pointed out to me when I asked because uh, why did this kid fall in the draft? That's been uh, it's a why. What happened here? Well, 
the only rumor, and it's a rumor, was that he had an attitude that scared some teams off. Now, that is not true. And the Orioles have just said, we know this kid well. We love his makeup. And, and I, I saw a kid that was very impressive uh, in Baltimore on Friday. So now let's see what he can do. They'll, he's going to, in the next few weeks, throw some bullpens and throw live BP. And they've got to ramp it up with him, Brian, because he isn't pitching a game in two weeks, two months. So you can't get, send him to Florida and three days later throw three innings. It's going to be a ramp up. And because he's a high-priced young talent, they're going to be cautious and conservative, which they should. And so it's going to be a little while before he gets in a game, is my guess. Uh, they're going to, they'd rather be two or three days too late than too soon. And they're probably not going to pitch him many innings this year, is also my guess. Just get his feet wet, get him in the program, let him learn the nutrition program they do, the strength program, the throwing program, meet all the coaches, get to know everybody. And, you know, then really hit the ground running uh, over the winter and into next year. But it'll still be fun to see him pitch. And he's got a lot of talent. And they say a plus curveball, that's really plus, like 60 or 70 grade uh, scouts give it. So I'm anxious to watch him when the time comes. Yeah, and another thing I was reading about him is, you know, along with the physical attributes, uh, his mental toughness. He's just, you know, uh, he, he seems to be, especially for a high school guy, um, in terms of, of wanting to be successful and, and the maturity in terms of his craft seems to be up there with, with some of the best. And maybe that's one of the reasons he was rated so highly. Well, you know, high school pitchers are hard to judge because even if you're playing in the South where maybe generally the baseball is better, if you're a first-round high school draft pick, you're you're probably dominating your area, your region, your county. But where they really see these kids is these showcases and some of these national things they do. And they were saying this kid, it's called the East Coast Pro Showcase, I guess where they bring in some of the top 18-year-olds all over the country, and he dominated. So he pitched against the best hitters his age bracket, and he kicked their butt. And so um, that's where he really got on the map. That's when people said, yep, this kid looks like a first-round pick. And, they let, you know, he's throwing four pitches already, which is good because sometimes in high school you don't need, you know, Hunter Harvey was honest to tell me I, I wasn't going to change up because I was throwing the ball by everybody. But he would throw it on the side, you know, because you, you need to throw it. And his dad pitched in the pros and was smart enough to tell him, you're going to throw that pitch eventually. And so um, they'll get him in the program, and, and they'll do some things that he needs to do. And it's exciting to have a man, a lefty, who already throws mid-90s and is, still has some growing to do. As Buck always used to say, if you're a lefty who can, who can throw, you're, uh, you've got a, a good chance of having a long career in baseball because that's a, that's a prized commodity there. So we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on Hall. Again, he's got a long journey. Don't expect to see him in Camden Yards anytime soon, but it's exciting to know that uh, you know those guys down on the farm system are, are working to 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 get better. So that's that's always intriguing. So yeah, I mean his agent Scott Boris. So that tells you something there. He doesn't just take any eighteen year old kid. And so Scott Boris got this kid three million dollars. I mean that's a pretty nice check for a kid out of high school. But that's the going rate for that pick. He got a little over slot, and the Orioles were happy to pay it. And uh, you know I I know Brian. They definitely had him ranked higher than twenty one on their board, as did most teams. And they did not expect when the draft started. They they said he's not going to be there. They, if he is, we'll be all over. But he did, don't even think about it, guys. He's going to be gone. Well, he wasn't. So they took him, and they're delighted that it, it went that way. They sure did, and hopefully fans are too. So we'll keep an eye on all that. 
Steve, as the Orioles, again, we talked about a big series, final week heading into the All-Star break where we'll get to see Jonathan Scope. Um, any chance we see, they didn't announce the Home Run Derby uh, participants or anything, right? No chance that we see an Oriole uh, in the Home Run Derby? I I don't guess so. I mean, uh, I, th- I guess you have to be in the game to take part in that. It would be interesting to see Machado, who's from Miami and who told his son that he will be at the game to root on his friend and teammate Scope. Um, and they were even kidding. Scope's going to stay at his house, which I don't know. Maybe they weren't kidding. Maybe he will, because uh, he and Manny are like brothers. And they call, you know, they say both say that we're like brothers, and they are. So uh, Manny, I guess, is going to be at the game, but he may be he won't with a ticket like the other paying customers. Um, but some people thought, hey, would Manny be in the home run derby? It's in his hometown. Uh, I haven't heard any inkling that that is happening. So I think John is the one. We're going to see on the field uh, All-Star Week. I feel like it's odd to not see an Oriole in a home run derby. I feel like if I think back to, to especially recently, it's been, you know, at least a Mark Trumbo, a Chris Davis, Adam Jones. You know, it, it's rare to say. I kind of think it's rare to not see an Oriole in this year's thing. You know, it's always nice to root for them in the derby, you know. You know, I wouldn't rule out scoping someone they look to pick, but look at how far that kid hits the ball. I mean, that kid hits, uh, hit 440, 450-foot homers, and, and he's a modest kid, and one night he hit one like 460, and we said to him, did you get all of that, John? He goes, I, I, I don't know. I might have a little more. <laughs> and he wasn't, he wasn't bragging. He does. I mean, that kid can hit at 450 and still have a little more to go. So, I mean, if they wanted to put scope in there, he might be worth watching. I, but I haven't heard any of that, and I guess more of that will come out in uh, – the days ahead yeah we'll see about that but that would be that would be a nice treat to watch him if not we'll get to see him on that tuesday in the all-star game certainly as he represents the orioles uh for the american league so steve as always we'll keep on churning and hopefully you'll uh you'll get a nice nap in on, on uh the all-star break and uh, a few days to, to rest rest up you got a second you're only halfway through the season too you know i know i know man it's it's a grind for all of us because uh you're not you know, much downtime. None of us are complaining because we love baseball and it's fun to do. So uh, keep it coming, and we'll see how this road trip goes for the Orioles. Absolutely. So fans, be sure to check us out on MassInSports.com. On you can also subscribe to Yardbark on SoundCloud and on iTunes, and check out Steve Molesky posting everything Orioles every day on MassInSports.com. So we'll see you next week, Oriole fans. Until then, take it easy.